from our gospel this morning, Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. You know, one of the biggest issues we face in life, and we never really talk about it, particularly in church, is the idea of anger. I mean, our culture is an angry culture. A lot of individuals carry anger, anger with them for lots of reasons, justly, oftentimes. We see anger in politics. We see it in church life. We see it in our relationships. It seems like, and maybe it's just me, <laughs> but it seems like everybody's got a grudge. Everybody's got a beef. Everyone's got an ax to grind. Everyone's got a tweet to send out. This past week, Kathy, my wife, I guess it was Wednesday, Kathy, Tuesday or Wednesday, she was out running um, uh, errands up in Melbourne. She was coming home. She stopped at the uh, CVS at the intersection of 510 and Route 1. You know what it is? Yeah. She's in the CVS. It's, I don't know, 1230 in the afternoon. She's picking up some stuff for one of the girls. And uh, she, hears, she hears, ah, screaming in the CVS and a gunshot. Pah! I'm not kidding. Ask her about it, she'll tell you. She comes home. I didn't know any of this. She comes home. She tells me, you're not going to believe what happened. I said, what? She said, it was an issue. I was in the CVS, minor my own business. Somebody, there was people screaming. There was a gunshot. Turns out, it was two guys. One, there was some kind of a road rage incident. I don't know exactly what happened. But uh, the one guy pulled out a gun and started waving it around. I've got a gun. Oh, yeah. And he went to shoot the other guy. But he missed and shot himself. Because he was intoxicated. He was wasted. 1230 in the afternoon, completely drunk. So I guess if you're going to get stopped by a guy in a road rage accident, make, hopefully he's drunk driving too, right? I mean, please, can, you be, can it get any worse? But the, here's the thing, right? I mean, obviously it's a, tra- a tragedy, and thank God nobody was injured, seriously. But it got me sort of thinking in the context of this sermon from this morning, what is going on? Is it just me, or do people just seem like ready to go, man? Hair, hair trigger temper. Why is that? exactly. Why is that exactly? Why, what is at the root of our anger? We never talk about this. We never even want to admit it, frankly, but we all carry it. What's at the root of our anger? What is at the root of our anger, and is it always bad? And actually, can anger even be a holy thing, meaning something which leads us closer to God? Now, This might not be the first thing that jumps out at you in the story of the raising of Lazarus from the dead. We've all heard this story before, but I want to show you in a moment this morning, I want to spend some time looking at this idea of anger, rage, injustice. It permeates the story. You'll see it when I show you. And I want to show you the trajectory of how Jesus, on his way to Jerusalem, solves the problem of anger in your heart. So three things I want to look at today, three points, three ideas. What is anger? Good question. What is anger? Where do we see anger in our gospel lesson? And then finally, how does Jesus solve the problem of anger in your heart? So what is, what is anger? You, know, you ever stop and think about this? I mean, what is it? We all carry it around. We all deal with it. We all are burdened by it. It, it infects all of our parts of our lives. What is it exactly? What is anger? Well, before we jump into what is anger, let me give some back story to the raising of Lazarus, and you'll see what I mean. 
The raising of Lazarus is a dramatic story. Lazarus is Jesus' friend, and he's dead. And people don't normally rise from the dead, so it's a pretty dramatic story. We find later on that after he is raised from the dead, people try to kill him to sort of, you know, prevent the evidence from getting out there. But the point is, there's a guy named Lazarus, and he's ill. And Lazarus has two sisters named Martha and Mary, and they send for Jesus, because Jesus isn't there, and they say, Lord, your friend Lazarus, whom you love, they're, they're buddies, Jesus and Lazarus are also friends, the one whom you love, Lord, is ill. Now, that word for ill in Greek is a strong, it doesn't actually just mean he's sick, like he's got a cold or he's got, you know, a headache or something. No, it's a Greek, a Greek word that means he is, he is declining. In other words, there's an action here. There's an action towards a result, i.e., Lazarus is untreated, unfixed, unhealed. Lazarus will die. And so they send to Jesus, 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 come quickly, your friend, our brother, and your friend Lazarus is dying. Now the question becomes, why do they, think about this for a sec, why do they send a messenger to go bring Jesus there? Why? Well, they can't take Lazarus to him because he's sick. But why do they go to him in the first place? Well, it's because they knew him. They'd seen him in action. They knew Jesus could heal their brother because they'd seen him heal other people. They had evidence and experience of Jesus working in the lives of other people around them. They knew him already. And when the messenger arrives, they send for him, go get him and tell him to come here. He's not far away. Maybe, maybe a four-hour walk. It's outside. They go to Jesus to say, Lord, the one whom you love, Lazarus, your friend, yeah, Martha and Mary, your friends, yeah, he's ill, come quickly. And what does he do? Verse 6, ready for this? So when Jesus heard that Lazarus was ill, he called an Uber. No. <laughs> he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Don't miss that. Jesus hears the urgency. He's dying. We need you fast. We know you can solve the problem. And what did Jesus do? He did nothing. He stood there. Well, he probably sat down, finished his lunch, chitty chat for a while, maybe catch some, maybe catch some Z's. He did nothing. And I want to just ask you a question. You ever felt that way before? God, come quickly. I'm really struggling, man. I got a serious problem that I can't solve, and I know you can. I believe in you. I trust you. You've helped me before. I've seen you do it in other people's lives. I've got all the evidence I need, Lord. I'm asking you. I'm begging you. I'm praying. And your prayers seem to fall just on deaf ears. <laughs> Either God doesn't hear us, too busy, or maybe even worse, if he does hear, he just, he don't care. I mean, can you imagine this messenger runs back to Mary and Martha? And they say, did you ask him? Did you see him? Is he coming? They said, yeah, we told him. Does he know how sick he is? Yeah, well, he knows. Well, what's he going to do? Nothing. You ever been there with God? Will you ask God to help you and what you, all you get is Nothing. And that's an important point when it comes to the nature of anger, point one. What is anger? Well, it's pretty obvious when you think about it. At its most basic level, anger is when 
we don't get what we think we deserve. <laughs> right? Anger in all of its forms is when we don't get what we think we deserve. Anger is our human reaction to perceived injustice. The road rage incident that Kathy experienced on Wednesday at the CVS at 12.30 in the afternoon, I don't know what happened there. I could take a guess. Probably driving down 95 and someone's going too slow or too fast or cut them off or the thing that drives me crazy, pull up behind you and flick their lights at you. Oh, that just drives me nuts. I love that. I love it. Oh, yeah, I'm going to slow down. I'm going to slow down. You like that? You've done it. They ask God to come quickly, and nothing happens. So what is the result? A sense of injustice, a sense of anger. I mean, think about something in your own life which makes you angry right now, and it's probably one of only a couple things. Someone treats you badly in your family or your friends or one of your kids is doing something stupid that you told them not to do, and they continue to do it anyway. Or you got the kids that bully your kid at school or your HOA won't call you back, or I don't know. Whatever it is in your life, I don't know. We've all got lives. We've all got stuff we carry. Think about something in your life which makes you angry. Just think of one thing, one thing. If you stop, you will find, if you dig into why you feel anger at that thing, you will find injustice. You will find a sense that you, that life isn't fair. Anger is the result of injustice, that we feel like we either something is, we should be getting something that we're not, we deserve better, or we're getting something we shouldn't have, sickness or something. Think of something that makes you angry. And if you dig down, you'll find that you think their life isn't fair. And that leads me to my second point. We see this clear as a bell in the gospel lesson, now that we understand that. Where is the anger in this gospel story? We see it three times. Jesus could have been there two days ago, right? They sent for him. He, uh, he does nothing. He just finishes his sandwich and takes a, takes a nap. So Mary, Mary, Jesus, finally Jesus, after Lazarus has died, and Jesus knows Lazarus died, he says so. In fact, Jesus waits until he dies before he leaves, which we'll get into in a second. But on the way to seeing Lazarus, Martha hears Jesus is coming, and she runs out to him. And she says to him something which you've probably heard and never thought about, given the context. She says, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. Now, we hear that as an expression of faith. It ain't. What if she said it like this? Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. I called for you. I asked for you. You're two miles away. It would have taken you four hours to get here, and you did nothing. Thanks. Thanks a lot. I trust in you. I counted on you. We were believing in you, and you did nothing. Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. But you weren't here, so he did. <laughs> She's angry. Why? Because of an injustice. She feels that he, Jesus, did not do what she wanted him to do. She's hurt. She rebukes him. She feels a sense of injustice. And you can't blame her. I wouldn't blame her. I don't blame her. She's an illustration of what happens to all of us. I'd never noticed this before, this past week when I was doing this prep. I've never preached this in this text before. But if you skip forward to verse 32, Mary 
who's always staying home. Martha's always the one going out. Mary's always home for some reason. Mary, when Jesus actually arrives, when Jesus arrives at Lazarus' tomb, Mary says to Jesus the very same thing. Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. But you weren't, and he did. Ever been angry at God? Yes. It's kind of a rhetorical question. You ever been angry at God, or at least angry at the circumstances that he has put you in, even if you don't hold him accountable for something? You ever been angry at the injustice in your own life, and you feel a sense of anger at either him or somebody in your life that he's put there? When I was 18 years old, or yeah, 18, my parents divorced. You, some of you know this already. Uh, it was one of the most five worst things that's ever happened to me. I, was the, I am the oldest of three. I was uh, getting ready to go to Penn State, you know, live the life of Riley, as my dad used to say, which means carefree and pretty much what I did. But my parents, they divorced when I was 18, and I was left having to basically care for my sister and my brother. And I'll tell you, I was angry. I was angry at God at the time. I'm not anymore. It wasn't his fault. I was angry at God. And the reason I'm bringing this up is because anger is a real thing. We all feel it. Martha feels it. Mary feels it. And the problem with anger is it is incredibly toxic. It's a parasite. It will destroy you if you don't deal with it, which we're going to talk about in a minute. It will destroy you because it will rear its head at its worst time. It'll pop up when you, someone will just, you'll try and you'll try and you'll try and somebody will say something and boom, off to go like a missile, right? Is it just me or does that happen? Yeah. And it's not just Martha and it's not just Mary. Jesus is angry. He comes into the village and he says, where, did you, where have you laid him? Maybe he smells it. I don't know. Jesus smelled him. Lazarus has been dead for a few days. And Christ, when, he, when Jesus comes to Jesus, Lazarus' tomb, we read an incredibly important uh, text in the New Testament. Jesus wept, verse 35. Now, Jesus wept is two words in English. It is one word in Greek. It is the shortest sentence in the New Testament. Jesus wept. Kaleo is the Greek word. Now, most people hear that as, you know, Jesus sobbed or Jesus he was crying. He was, we've all been there. He feels sorrow. He feels sadness. He feels, he feels regret. Maybe he feels guilty for not having been there when he should have been. I don't know. Who knows? But most of us hear it as sobbing and that sort of thing. No. And if you think about it, it makes sense. Is it, not, is it just him sobbing? Well, Wait a minute, if he's just sobbing, he knew it was going to happen. Why did he dilly-dally in the first place? Why didn't, he, why didn't he scoot and get there like he should have on time? So it can't be that Jesus is surprised by it. So what's going on here? Jesus wept. Well, the Greek word for wept is the word kaleio in Greek. And it's a really strong word. It means... Uh, it's hard to, it has a wide range of meanings. So it, mean, it does mean cry in terms of sadness, but it means, I'm not sure how to really do this. It means like, ah, you know, you ever did that? You ever had like something happen to you that was so traumatic that you couldn't even really put, you can't put words into it. It's like, it's like an emotional stew that just comes out of you, right? It's rage, it's anger, it's frustration, it's disappointment, fear, sadness, loathing, regret. 
Tim Keller once said that this Greek word is the word that a, uh, this is a great, a good illustration, that this, this word kaleio is the, soar, is the sound that a war horse makes when you spur it to charge. Right? That's what he does. In other words, Jesus is, comes to the tomb and he doesn't cry. Woo! He's, he's angry. Well, here's the question. What's he angry at? <laughs> it's a big question. What's he angry at? He's not angry at God. He is God. He's not angry that Lazarus died because he knew he died and he waited for him to die to get there. He's not angry because he can't solve the problem because he knows what he's going to do. He says so. I'm going to raise him from the dead. So what's Jesus angry at? What's he furious over? The Greek word hamartia, sin. That things that we, that you, fall apart. See, Jesus is angered at the fallenness of the world. Jesus is angered because his friend is dead. Jesus is angered, listen, because life wasn't supposed to be this way. And if you know your scripture, it's like prove it simply. Genesis 1 and 2, right? God creates Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. There is no suffering. There is no struggle. There is no death. <laughs> you know, this is the thing you got to realize. Death for the human is not natural. It sounds funny to say that because we all die and we all know someone who's died, but it's not natural. It's not the way that God created us. And we all know this intuitively. You ever been to a funeral? Yeah, you'll feel sadness, and you'll feel, you'll feel fear for your own mortality, and you'll feel regret for the things you said or didn't say, and you'll feel, if you're honest with yourself, you will find anger, and you should. <laughs> because this is not the way that life was supposed to be. And that is why Jesus, Kaleio, cries out with this rage of the fallenness of his people. So if anger is, a, is recognizing injustice in the world, and even Jesus himself sees it, point number three, how does he solve the problem? Well, what is the solution to the problem of anger in all circumstances, in all ways, and in all types? What is the one solution to anger? What is it? You know it when I tell you. The solution to anger is forgiveness. You know, you have to know the backstory that where Jesus is headed, he raises Lazarus, and then the next place he goes is to Jerusalem. Why does he go to Jerusalem? To die on the cross. That's why Thomas says, let us go that we may die with him. He knows it's going to happen. This is not a surprise. Jesus goes to Jerusalem to die on the cross to pay for our sins. Why? So that we can be reconciled to God. Why? So that we can be forgiven. And if you have been forgiven by God, that means that you too can forgive. If Jesus dies on the cross to divert God's anger and wrath from you onto himself, then that means you can divert the anger and wrath you have onto him as well. You know, forgiving, someone made this comment, it might have been Tim Keller, I don't know exactly, I can't remember. Someone made the comment once that forgiveness, forgiving someone is a decision. You can hang on to anger, but guess what? The person you're angry at doesn't care. All it does is consume you. You can hang on to anger, or you can let it go. You can bring it to the foot of the cross and nail it there where it belongs. 
Forgiving someone requires you to give up what you think you're owed. Forgiving someone means you've got to eat it. Forgiving someone means you've got to, in some way, bear the burden of that sin that was committed against you, just like Jesus bore the sin on the cross that he bore for you. If someone has wronged you, you can forgive. You can carry that burden, but only because Christ has carried that burden for you. And you know, in the Lord's Prayer, when it says, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us, most of us hear that as a quid pro quo, right? Jesus, you forgive me as much as I forgive my enemy? No. In the Greek, it's much more of a symbiotic thing. I can forgive others because you have forgiven me. What I want to challenge you on, friends, is this idea of forgiveness. That Jesus dies on the cross so that you and I could be unburdened, unbind him and let him go. Jesus says about Lazarus. I love that. And the only way you can forgive is to realize that Jesus has carried this burden for you already. And you may have to carry some of it as well to forgive someone who's wronged you. Because, friends, anger is a reaction to injustice. And we live in a fallen and broken world where injustice is rampant. If you want to forgive someone, remember that they live in a fallen world too. <laughs> and they themselves are fallen also. That they themselves have shortcomings, just like you. They live in a fallen world, just like you. But if you've been forgiven by Jesus, then you can forgive them, just like he has forgiven you. Shall we pray? Father, we thank you for this story. There's so much in here. <laughs> Help us to acknowledge the anger in our own hearts. Help us to just admit it, name it, and claim it. Help us to see the injustice in our lives, the struggles we face, the brokenness we walk through. Lord, we bring this anger to you today. We nail it to the cross where you would like it to be. You've paid for it. We ask you, Lord, to help forgive us. Remind us that our sins have been forgiven and our own call to forgive those who have wronged us. As we wait for Christ to come down and restore the world and set the world to rights. In his name we pray. Thank you for tuning in to our Trinity Episcopal Church podcast. To find out more about the work God is doing through Trinity, visit us online at trinitybureau.org and follow us on Facebook.